Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Laura, and today I want to talk with you about the evolution of workplaces and how workplaces need to evolve to survive and thrive in this next period of, of time where there's a lot of challenges going on, but also a lot of opportunities ahead of us. So I love to talk about the future of work. I've talked about it for over two decades now, but more and more, I really feel that the future of work is now. Workplaces have evolved so much, yet have so many uh, obstacles and, and things ahead that it's a perfect time to be discussing some of the themes with you that I'm seeing and working with organizations on uh, about the current context and what to do about it. So when I think about the future of work, I think about how I've always been interested in what lies ahead. I've always been interested in the idea of flexibility and being able to work from different locations. And I've been myself a teleworker who goes into an office three days a week and works two days a week from home for most of my career. I've been in various jobs where I have come into an office more, and I've been in jobs where I've been mostly remote. But the sweet spot for me has always been what I call a two, three-day split. And a two, three-day split is a wonderful way to have the best of both worlds. And I've known that for a long time. I felt that for a long time. Uh, so in the early days of my research, when I embarked upon my doctorate in 2002, I had to choose a research topic. And having been on virtual teams or dispersed teams before that for a few years in my early career, I realized that we had a lot to learn about how to do this well, how to communicate, collaborate, work together, and most importantly, how you manage and lead teams when you can't see each other day to day. Because we knew at that time, miscommunications, lack of trust, uh, you know, inefficiencies, coordination issues, all those things were happening. Technology was not nearly what it was or what it is today. Um, but I was able to study video conferencing back in the day at a lab at the University of Calgary, where everybody had different video squares on a screen, but they were all at different stations, and it really did feel and look like Zoom today. So it was a, an archaic version of Zoom, but we were able to really look at how do these teams work together on video, video conferencing, versus face-to-face, -face versus purely communicating by text. So when you think of today's Teams or Slack, so text-based communications, um, real-time chat versus if you can actually see the person's expressions. And, and that was so interesting um, back in the day to look at. And then it led me to really explore... Uh, the whole notion of telework and why more organizations weren't letting people work from home part of the time. And as I had experienced it myself, I just wondered about the whole idea that we all get into a car at the same time each day. A lot of people are one person to a vehicle. Um, some of us take different forms of transportation, train, bus, whatever, but we're all going on this daily adventure to get to an office where we sit at a desk and a lot of us are at a computer, um, you know, for a lot of our jobs, not everybody, but I mean, a lot of jobs these days involve 
some interaction with a computer, uh, and then we drive back home or we transit back home. And I just wondered, why does that have to be every single day? Why can't we work remotely some of the time? And then I would talk to people and some people would say, well, I wouldn't want to do that. There's no way I'd want to do that. I'd, I could not get work done from home. And other people would say, yeah, I, I wish I could do that more, but my boss wouldn't let me. Uh, so we ended up collecting a lot of data back in 2000 and. 2004, uh, where we looked at, you know, telework in organizations and levels of telework adoption and barriers and opportunities to telework and why people were doing it and not doing it. And I said, why don't we collect personality data and figure out whether people with certain personality traits would be more likely uh, to want to telework and to be satisfied and productive teleworking. So that was the very first data that we began to collect on telework um, back then. And then we were able to add to it over time and combine different data sets and really get together um, our research on what makes an effective teleworker and what makes someone struggle with remote work and then in between. And we were able to assess people's traits. And then if you know what types of traits you have when it comes to remote work, you can decide which your ideal balance and fit would be and the amount of remote work that fits your personality. And you'd be able to learn about some of your traits and how to mitigate some of your traits. So an example of that would be the trait of quick starting, which is also the opposite of procrastination. So um, all of us are on a, a scale of how we have a propensity to procrastinate or not. And uh, if I'm a procrastinator, I have more trouble getting started on things. And if I don't have the structure of an office and I don't have a structure of people around me and maybe cues and signs and symbols and knowing my supervisors there, etc., I may be more prone to put something off to procrastinate um, before getting onto tasks. So what can I do about it? Well, there's different things I can put into place. There's planning tools, there's prompts, there's certain things that I can do online with my team. There's certain things with my Outlook, if that's what I'm using, or my Google Calendar to prompt me to set parameters. There's rituals I can have to start my workday, to finish my workday, to make sure that work is an experience that has more structure around it, more prompts, more reminders. Um, and interestingly, on my podcast, I was talking to Dr. John Rady, who is one of the foremost, if not the foremost expert in the world on ADHD. And a lot of people these days struggle with ADHD. And I would say that a lot of us are struggling with attention in general because we're so overloaded and there's so many different communications coming at us constantly that the whole idea of having more structure, more routines, uh, figuring out ways to manage our attention is really, really important. And there's lots of different things to do that. Uh, exercise is one. And that brings me back to the idea of remote work. Remote work makes it easier to take an exercise break 
than it does if we're at the office. However, being at the office, that's not an excuse either. We can go for a walk. We could maybe go to the gym at the office. Maybe our company brings in yoga. Who knows? Everyone's situation is different. But I'm getting off tangent talking about exercise, but I feel like it's really important um, in, in the mix here. But back to this notion of remote personality and how people fit for remote work. That was my early research and what got me really excited about this topic and about helping to uh, evolve workplaces into the future. So my business partner and I at that time were really interested in creating tools, which are psychometric assessments in our language. So assessment tools to understand how wired someone is in terms of working remotely and how a leader is wired to lead a distributed team. So some leaders kick and scream when it comes to leading people they can't see on a day-to-day basis. We said, well, let's figure out why some leaders struggle with this and why some managers have an easier time. So again, in our field, organizational psychology, we liked to collect data. We like to collect data. We like to understand trends and we like to understand what types of uh, factors or personality traits, skills, capabilities a manager needs to exemplify to be a great and effective remote leader. So we created the Distributed Leader Profiler. Uh, Now it resides at Humance, um, which is the company that acquired Work Evolution, uh, our company. Uh, But the tools are there. They're still in widespread usage. We're really excited that... uh, organizations have benefited and continue to benefit from understanding that leaders can get better at being remote or hybrid leaders. But first, you have to understand what you need to get better at. And self-insight is one thing, but if you have tools and indicators and assessments to help you get under the hood of the car, I see it. So understand what are your strengths? What are your gaps? What do you need to get better at? And then figure out a plan to do it. So I have done so much work with leaders in that respect. And And that's been really fun. But fast forward to the pandemic. So you can imagine that we're, we've created these tools, we've been working with organizations as they pivot to become more flexible. But there's also a lot of resistance. A lot of organizations are saying, you know, we, we really don't want to go there. We, we don't believe in telework. I remember one CEO saying to his whole company, if you want to telework, you don't work here. Um, so I thought, wow, that's so extreme. And the data points to the fact that, you know, this should be something that organizations are considering if you want to retain and engage talent, especially millennials and generation Z or Generation Z, depending on your country. Um, So we were talking about that pre-pandemic. Pandemic Pandemic hits, uh, then there's this great pause and this immediate pivot to remote work. Um, And we had all of this you know, knowledge and and uh, resources and tools and okay, we're off to the races to make sure that we're sharing it as widely as possible. And we thought, wow, this is 
quite a pilot. This is the world's biggest pilot ever on remote work or distributed work, as we call it, where people are working in a distributed way. They are dispersed from one another. And uh, we watched as it unfolded, but we were highly involved and engaged in this whole pivot and this evolution that was going on. And and then the, the tail end of it, and then leading into the post-pandemic world and how things have shifted. And then, you know, the story of the pendulum swinging back and CEOs calling everyone back into the office and making their statements about people need to come back or they need to come back three days a week or, you know, we're going to have a hybrid and this is how it's going to look. So we've been involved in a lot of conversations, sharing a lot of opinions, sharing a lot of data, research, and working with organizations along uh, this vein. Uh, and it's such an interesting time uh, because it still is unknown where this will all land. But a few things are for sure in my mind. One is that flexibility is a top motivator for a large number of, of humans. And I think having had a taste of greater flexibility, to take that away is like taking away a gift. It's like saying, here's the gift, unwrap it. You like it? Okay, well, you liked it, but I'm going to retract that gift. Um, what's going to happen is people are going to shop around for places where they can get that gift of flexibility back. So I, I am seeing that the data and the trends are showing that, that flexibility ranks very, very high, you know, up on the scale. You know, compensation is always quite high, but flexibility is sometimes equally high for people, or sometimes it's even more valuable than pay. We've heard of instances where people will take less pay in order to have the ability to work in a flexible or remote or hybrid way. Uh, so that's, that's very interesting. Um, another factor in all of this is that life and work are more blended than they've ever been before. The idea that you can work from home that, you know, what is work? Why am I going into the office? And I always say, you're not going into work, you're going into the office. And that's where you're working today. Um, so I always say work is an activity. It is a verb, not a noun. <laughs> and you wouldn't believe the number of times people say, are you going to work today? And every now and then even I slip up <laughs> with that with my husband. But um, it's really about where are you going to be working from today, dear? Well, I'm going to be working from home in the morning, then I'm going into the office in the afternoon. What about you? You know, so we just uh, try to t talk about it that way. And I think um, if there's one thing to leave you with, it's the idea of we're all wired differently when it comes to where we best work. It's not a one size fits all. Flexibility matters. And there are supports and ways to do hybrid work well, and there's ways for it to completely fall on its face. And it comes down to being a human-centered organization that leads in a flexible versus a command and control 
old style of leadership. So those are my thoughts for today on the evolution of work and the future of work is now. Um, I love this topic and I hope that wherever you're at in your organization and in your own life around flexibility, that you're at a place that is good for your physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and social wellness. Um, five different components of, of the human being, of us. And I think wellness um, plays out in all of those different ways and flexibility contributes to the multiple ways that we need to be well as humans. So thank you very much. Keep in touch, reach out. If you like this content, please share it. Um, I love keynote speaking more and more. I'm doing that. So I, I never uh, turn down a nice referral. And I love hearing from you, connecting with you on LinkedIn and stay well. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Where Work Meets Life. If you enjoyed this content, please rate and review the podcast as that helps me get it out to more people. Visit my website at drlaura.live and sign up for my monthly e-newsletter full of tips and resources. Please engage with us on social media and check out the podcast summary for links to my psychology practices, Canada Career Counseling, Calgary Career Counseling, and Synthesis Psychology. Stay well.